Hello, and welcome to Veterinary Journal Club. Excited to have everyone here, and I'm super thrilled to welcome two guests for the show today. I have Arian Skiba and Rebecca Weiske, and they are both fourth-year veterinary students, and we're going to talk today um, a little bit about getting that first job and negotiating and, uh, you know, like, yeah, some contract negotiation, like how do you pick a job? And then once you think you've got it sorted out, then what? Um, so yeah, welcome. Thank you both for being here. Yeah, Thank hi. you. All right. So maybe we should start by each of you just giving, you know, just a little bit of background um, about yourselves and, you know, what, um, what your plans are after graduation, which is coming up pretty darn soon. Arian, do you want to start? Yeah, I can go. So uh, with me, I wanted to always come into research and undergrad. I did a lot of research and I loved it. When I came to vet school, I kind of fell in love with public health. And that's really where I'm headed. I want to do something um, locally. I like doing things at health departments, uh, getting into helping people get food for them and their animals, as well as any other issues that is concerning on the local level. Yeah, so public level. health is a really broad, it is, yes. like that can mean a lot of different things. It sounds like you're focusing a little bit more on like nutrition, you know, or, or just food access. Yeah, is that food access. Yeah, access to that kind of health care because it's just, it's hard because when we give people uh, food, they end up feeding it to their animals so they don't get the proper nutrition and then the animals don't get the proper nutrition. Yeah, that's not really so, ideal, is it? No, so that's why I want to kind of help both. Just kind of help people understand what, you know, what the needs are, how they differ, and then try to, you know, promote and um, get better programs out there for pet exactly. nutrition as well. Cool. Exactly, yeah. I love it. Awesome. Rebecca? So prior to vet school, I worked in specialty medicine, and I kind of carried that interest in that part of the field with me. And so after graduation, I'd like to do a rotating internship. So I just finished and ranked all my... Oh, you submitted your rankings. That's I so exciting. Quite you haven't submitted the you haven't pushed I'm, the send button. I'm yet. too afraid to like push the final button. Yeah. Until you have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's pretty normal. Um <laughs> and so my specialties of interest are neurology primarily, but I also really like behavior. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping to kind of flesh that out during that internship year and apply accordingly. Those are those are related, right? Like you know, they're yeah. both a little different part of the neurologic system, but and I like them because of the high education aspect and the continuity of care with the clients and their pets. What do you mean the high education aspect? Um, well, so especially with behavior, you're really teaching owners how to communicate and understand what their animal is communicating back to them. And so you have a really big role in the human-animal bond and really improving the way we understand our pets. And a lot of that applies to neurology, because if you think about a dog that just had IVDD surgery, their entire life changes. They now have to live a very horizontal life versus a vertical one. So that means less access to stairs, less access to jumping games, and maybe less access to you. And so it's navigating, again, how do we fulfill quality of life requirements and manage expectations to improve that relationship? That's awesome. It sounds like you're, you're I, if I could guess, that you're also, in, also interested in like the human psychology between yeah. the, in the, yeah. in the, yeah, the human animal bond, um, which I also, yeah, I, I, I agree, find fascinating. It was a specialty. You didn't know? When you say, when you say behavior, can you guess who I think of? Uh, probably Caesar Milan. Yep, Caesar Milan. Oh. Who a lot of, <clears throat> like all of his training practices have been shown to be just wrong, outdated <laughs> and wrong. Yeah. Really, really funny when they you know, satirize him on South Park, but otherwise. Animal yeah. planets. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, it might be, it might be good for cartoon children, but yeah. Uh, generally speaking, not our, not our favorite. <laughs> There's a lot more to it. And there is a lot of science um, that goes into the behavior stuff. A lot of, a lot of really cool studies. Um, so not just on companion animals too. There's, you know, on the human animal bond, but just like on animal behavior stuff. So um Maybe we'll have to do a show on that at some point. But so, okay, so you guys are both have slightly different plans after graduation. Um, so Rebecca, you you said you're already going through the the match, the veterinary internship and residency matching program or the VIRMP, or I like to call it the VIRMP. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's been around for a while. Now that is a little bit different because there's not going to be a whole lot of negotiating, right? Like there's the interview sometimes. And although for internships, usually not even a whole lot of interviewing. Um, but maybe you can share a little bit about like, 
how you selected some of those programs since, you know, you don't necessarily get to talk to all of them at length. Um, so yeah, share with us a little bit how you picked those out. So I actually interviewed with all the programs I applied to, um, because I was proactive and obnoxious and yeah, call emailed me, I'm a liar. <laughs> every single one and said, I want to interview. Can you, do you mind sharing about how many that was? So, um, was so it like a hundred or like no, 10? No, it was, <laughs> it was eight. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's VI, reasonable. Yeah, VIRMP does it in they cluster bulk. It now, so yeah. you pay for 10, 20, yeah. 30. So one to 10 is one price. Yeah. 11 to 20. It didn't used to be that way, but yeah, and I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, it makes it a lot easier and more cost effective. Unless there's 11 places you really want to go to yeah. and then it sucks. Then, and then you're like, do I pay that extra amount or do I cut one of them? <laughs> oh, maybe you cut one. Yeah. Um, so there's essentially no contract negotiation. Right. Like you said, right. what you get is what you sure. get. I picked locations based off where I realistically need to live for the next uh-huh. year, knowing that when I apply for specialty training, that will broaden. Okay. Um, and so all my interviews, you know, there it's not like a job interview. There's a lot of variability in terms of the questions they're asking you. I've had case reviews. I've had just a barrage of random questions. Mm-hmm. I had one interview where it was me interviewing them. Yeah. Um, I would, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually think that's how it should be. Yeah, like, especially if you're going to be an intern. So it's kind of... It's, it's really hard because the... That's not how it gets, that's not the perception, right? It's like right. you are like, oh no, please take me, please take me, please yes. take me. And while, yeah, that's part of it. You are competing with other people applying for the internships, but also they are competing with other programs for your rank, right? Right. right. And so, um, you know, that's one of the things that's a piece of advice that I will give to students, interns, residents, whoever, wherever you are, is that you need to be interviewing the places that you're looking at for jobs just as much, if not more, than they are interviewing you. Now, that's that's easy to say. <laughs> it's not always easy to do, right? Because you're just like, oh, just give me a job. Um, but, but it is really important to, for you to ask your questions. Now, one thing that we've always called, you know, it's the match, right? It's a matching program. And I really like that because right. what for me is most important is that you find a place that's a good fit for you because something that would be an amazing program for Arian might be a terrible fit for you, Rebecca, and and vice versa. Now, there are some places that you guys might both fr- thrive and some that you're like, that's terrible. Neither of us would do well. But there there is going to be some nuance, right? Where something that you might say, this is an environment that I would really like and somebody else is going to come along and be like, uh, why? <laughs> so it is about matching and figuring out what are your priorities. So can you remember like the, maybe the place that you felt like you were interviewing or in general, what kind of questions were you asking? Yeah. So first, before I did any of my interviews with the programs, I talked to all the interns. Oh, good. I talked to as many current and previous interns to get an idea of their experiences. And how did you get a hold of those people? I asked. I emailed and said, I would like your intern list. Like the 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 contact person mm -hmm. on the website. Perfect. Good. They all have a contact Mm -hmm. email. And so I just said I'd like your intern list and I had no problem getting them. Good. Um, and then, so I got an idea of their perception of the internship. And then I also kind of asked, how stressed are you normally? Like, how do you handle multiple cases coming in to see where I would fit in, in those situations? And then, so when I asked my questions during my internship interviews, I asked them, one, do they have a case capacity Mm -hmm. or how do they help facilitate higher caseloads when there Mm -hmm. are limited doctors? Uh I asked what kind of qualities do they see in the interns that get the most out of the year-long learning experience? Because it's really what you make of it. Right. And I also asked about their mentorship program. Um, Most of them assign you a mentor or kind of do a mutual picking process, Uh but obviously there are opportunities outside of that. And I wanted to gauge the reception receptiveness. Cool. And then I also asked about research and how supportive they are of intern projects mm-hmm. and interns who are interested in research to see if they're willing to work with me on projects or write-ups uh, because yeah. that is one of my priorities in an right. internship. Because you know for the next level yeah. applying for residencies, you're like, how am I going to stand out, right? Yes. So I want a place that's going to support me and help me become the best candidate for residencies. Exactly. So you did a lot of homework. You did a lot of work. Yeah, I had a yeah. I had a lot of charts. I was I was gonna say, was it charts or spreadsheets or mind maps or yeah. whatever? I have charts. quite a few charts, and people make fun of me, but they work for me. So whatever. yeah, yeah, they probably make fun of you because they're like, oh, I wish I'd thought of that, or you know, <laughs> yeah, jealousy. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
if I was that motivated, I would do better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I mean, that's you, like I said, you really did your homework and put a lot of thought into what is important for you and what your goals are right now. And, and what you learned too, like you said, people were really receptive. Like, Hey, what's your intern list? So like, here you go. Here it is. I mean, anybody who would not give you information, you, that should be a red flag, right? Like, oh, we're not yeah. willing to tell you. I think now, that's some of them, usually public information for everything anyway. Probably. But like, if they're like, oh, we're not willing to give you their information, but we can pass your information on to them. Right. Like, that's reasonable. I get that. Um, and I was told if they weren't open to you getting in contact with their interns, that was not a program you applied to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Luckily, I didn't have to cross that bridge yeah. because it's everyone was really receptive. No, I think most places know that. Um, and like I said, that can always, so I, I've seen different programs do things differently. Um, a couple places will be like, all right, this week, all of the intern inquiries are going to go to this particular intern. Like this is your week to answer those questions. And then it's a different intern next week because you don't want them to get bogged down, right? Because yeah. then they're going to not reply because they just got too many. And then it's going to reflect poorly on your program. Um, or, you know, so, or there's like, as inquiries come in, they pass along like okay next person next person next person because that's tough right to you're like I've got my own things going on maybe I'm applying for residencies through the match and now I have to answer somebody else's question um so you don't want that to you know inadvertently make the program look bad but it sounds like you you were able to get a hold of the people and get questions answered so you were prepared then when you talked to um you know the people and you had hopefully what you felt were pretty honest answers from the current interns yeah I think everyone was really open about what they liked and what they did not yeah. like about their programs. <laughs> yeah. And what it really shows you is that there's no perfect program. Absolutely so it's not. ranking your priorities and finding what fits in best with it. Awesome. And for me, I kind of reached out to some specialists in those areas that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is where I'm applying. Which of these stand yeah. out to you or what things should yeah. I keep in mind? Smart. And that was really helpful. Yeah, I think that's important. I, I, I do caution people in general not to put too much stock into the perceived prestige of a certain program. Um, because again, if you go somewhere, it's not a good match and you don't perform at your best, that's going to probably in the long run harm you more than if you go somewhere that's maybe less quote unquote prestigious, but you rock, like you're amazing and you're going to get the greatest letters ever. There absolutely are people who are like, Oh, I don't, I don't know that program. And I do know this program. And, but I think most people anymore are like, no, I just, I want somebody who's successful in what they've done. Um, so taking a little bit, like if you're making subtle distinctions between two places, I think that's fair. Um, I just caution people not to over, like put um, too yeah, much weight they're on. They're all prestigious. Right. It's, yeah. You've finished technically <laughs> grad school. You're yeah. going to beyond a PhD into yeah. any program. Yeah. So it's you're pretty good. There's none that aren't prestigious. Yeah. Um, but other people kind of get in a tizzy about like, well, what about so, you know, so there are people that that will matter, but I always think like, do I want to work for those people? Do I really want to work for somebody who cares like which program I went to rather than like, how did I perform in my program? Yeah, they're program? probably not a very good researcher. Right? They're probably yeah, <laughs> busy going to conferences and talking to people. And yeah, be like, look how great I am. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that, that all fits into um, one thing. So I'm public corporate. Yeah. We do a lot with uh, kind of figuring out policy of yeah. even just workplaces. And one of the best examples is the pizza policy where the staff were not allowed to eat pizza when they would provide it for the students, even after the students Wait, would what? leave it. So there's this one college <laughs> share, or share one location. This with me. So it doesn't matter. You, you work <laughs> for a place policy. of work, right? Sure. If it's a college or if it's something like that. Yeah. And you have a pizza policy where these students come in and do some type of lecture or mm -hmm. something, they gather, and the staff provides them with pizza. Uh -huh. But the staff themselves are not allowed to eat the pizza under any circumstance. Okay. And it's more or less uh, an idea that, do you want to work for a place that says you cannot do this simple thing? Yeah. And, because and of your exactly. title, your job description. So, or Yeah, it yeah. kind of builds off that idea of, understanding what's a healthy work, work environment. Yeah, environment. So it goes off that yeah. um, bounds. And I kind of, I like using that analogy all the yeah. time on, because it's very important where you work and how you work with people and how you, you live yeah. because you'll do your best when you're in the right environment. Absolutely. And so, and you shouldn't feel bad if you won't work well in certain environments. And right. you have to understand yeah. yourself before you go yeah, into Yeah, you have to do some self-reflection. Yeah. yeah. So. It's not a reflection on you or necessarily even the program. Exactly. You're just not a good match and that's okay. I mean, yeah. like, 
you know, you get married to somebody, that doesn't mean everyone else in the world is a bad person. It's just like, hey, we were a good match and I wasn't a good match for that last person. Um, And and again, that doesn't make anyone bad. It's just we weren't compatible. Um, And that's that's the same as true. Okay, so I do find that that analogy, that example had to have come from a real life scenario. Yeah, it did. Like it it had to, like where there was an actual policy that was like, you're not allowed to eat the leftover pizza. We're going to throw it away instead. It was, and they do, they do. (laughs) so obnoxious. It was Dr. Reagan. Um, she had gone through that experience and she brought oh it up in gosh. our PC class just to get us thinking about What's your that. PC class? Oh, any any public ro- like corporate rotation. Oh, class. PC is yeah. public corporate. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So we, this is the Virginia Tech lingo. Not everybody knows that. True. I'm still new to it. True. Um, so when you say public yeah. corporate for anybody who isn't clear, that's the track that Arian has taken. Yeah. There's yeah. small animal mix, public corporate equine. Yeah. So, and public corporate was what I came into. There's, we are a growing track. Yeah. Uh, we used to have very few people. And now I think in our class. There's a have, lot in your yeah, class. We have like 20 or so people. Yeah. And it's amazing because PC classes show you that you don't have to work in a clinic or a hospital. You can do all sorts of yeah. things, uh, especially the, they brought up people who they're artists and they draw anatomy books. Oh, that's so and, cool. And it's, it's incredible that you can yeah. use your creative side as well as mm-hmm. your uh, education side. So Yeah, veterinarians are needed for so many yeah. things that you wouldn't necessarily yeah. immediately think of. Um, so, okay, Erin, share a little bit, um, you know, with us, like, maybe you can share a little bit, like, how you got into the, you know, public corporate area. Like, you came in before vet school knowing, like, this was already what you're thinking, which is not typical, I would say. Yeah, yeah. It I would say most of your, your classmates that are in that track probably came about it later. Like so. Animal, yeah. yeah. What What was your background that that kind of got you into the One Health and the in the public health so arena? I've always had an interest, but when I was applying, so I applied uh, in to get in the class of 2020, and I did not get in. I got waitlisted, okay. and then I got feedback off it. I talked to Dr. Pelzer about it, and they kind of just talk about how what can you do that would make your resume shine mm-hmm. that would have you stand out yeah. uh, among 1,600 applicants. So, uh, and, you know, only 125 or 120 get accepted. So after I applied and didn't get in, I went back to my alma mater and I did research with them. I worked with salamanders and we did different types of fungal research with them. And I, I worked really hard and I enjoyed the atmosphere. I loved that research aspect. So then I fell in love with lab animal, learning yeah. how to do this kind of research or yeah. or project with collegiate institutions. So I thought that was very interesting. So I came in hog wild for <laughs> I want to be a lab animal vet. Okay. Then I got here and that put me directly into the public corporate track. Yeah. And as I went through the public corporate track, one of the best things about it is that they show you here's so the thousands of options you yeah. can do. And we also have the dual MPH yep. that we have. And that shows you the public health, one health aspect that I yeah. like head over heels fell in love with. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, I found out that you could really help a community. And that's yeah. where I want to go, like veterinary shortage areas. Yeah. And and provide that care that isn't there, that is just simple bridging the gap between the community and health. Yeah. So I, I don't know. So that's how I kind of got into that aspect of it. And that's why I'm. I, you always see me doing some... One Health. I love talking about every sort of thing, uh, especially with disease and disease process pathogenesis and everything. I kind of just go hog wild and I let people know it's not a barrier. Like you can yeah. understand it. And, and so I like it. Now, so you're not going through the match. No, I'm not going through you're the You're going to be applying for jobs here yes. pretty soon. Yes. Okay. So what's your plan? So How I are you going to do this? Yeah. So I definitely, location's an important important right. aspect. So I am working with some of my clerkships now. One of the best things about fourth year is that you can put clerkships down in areas that you are planning to apply for. Yeah. So I've worked That's with... That's strategic. Yes. Yep. I've worked with veterinarians that I plan to, you know, hey... Look there, for jobs yeah, there. Look, yeah, help me. And so one of them, you know, Dr. Murphy, she's the regional vet. Uh, she deals with like Virginia, West Virginia, Maryland, all of that kind of stuff. She knows a lot of connections and she, I've worked with her multiple times uh, and I plan on working with her again. And it's just interesting that once you get those connections, Mm -hmm. you can kind of land things. But I do like, I grew up in Pennsylvania and there's a job back there that I'm applying for that I'll hopefully interview with very soon. 
And it's just cool to kind of come 180 on it. I've already been offered jobs at like clinics that they knew me since I was yep. a kid. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, come to us if all else fails. Cause they know I'm, you know, I want to uh, be yeah, a that's not your plan. But, yeah. But it's, it's good to see that those connections really carry you through things. Yeah, and, absolutely. And get you through. So the other thing to remember, and this is the advice I often give to veterinary students, interns, residents, you know, it, it's a little trickier in the intern and residency situation. Cause it is, it's definitely touted as this big competitive thing. And for some of the residencies, it very much is. Um, but, and that's going to depend a little bit on, you know, what your specific goals are. But I will tell the average person out there when you're applying for jobs, no matter where you are in your stage of the career. So outside of matching, if you're applying for jobs, they need you more than you need them. Okay, this is like so incredibly important to me. You can do the math and I have, I have done some of the math. Um, you can do the math and look at like how many open jobs are there in a particular field and how many veterinarians are there to fill them. And right now there are more jobs than we have veterinarians to fill them. Full stop. They're absolutely, um, in my field in emergency critical care, there's a huge shortage, huge, huge shortage. Um, and so what I find is when people are applying for jobs, interviewing and negotiating, you, it's one, it's an emotional process for you. It is not for your potential employer. It is in general, very much not an emotional um, thing. And so that already puts you at a distinct disadvantage because you're like, ah, oh, this is, it's an emo like one, I've got to get this first job. I've got all these loans that are going to be looming soon. And like, oh, I just, I have to perform. And you've just been in school, um, you know, for the last 20 years and you've been taking exams and being graded and being told what you're doing well and what you're not. And, and, you know, it's easy to get into that mindset of, I don't know if I'm good enough for this or questioning your abilities. Um, you know, there's still so much I don't know. And well, while that is true, there is still a lot you don't know. There's just a lot we all don't know. You are incredibly valuable. You are, you are, you know, you've gotten through this program. You've been trained, like wherever you're training, um, you know, whether that's Virginia Tech or any of the other vet schools around, like they've, they've prepared you well. Um, and your future employers know that. They absolutely know that. And so, when you are out there looking for jobs, I, I do think that, and this is true even for internships and residencies, but you should be interviewing them. You should be extra, you know, aware of and, and careful about your interviewing because they still need you more than you need them. And when it comes to negotiating, they need you more than you need them. Um, they, because again, there's multiple jobs for every veterinarian uh, or there are multiple veterinarians yeah, multiple jobs uh, that are out there and there's not enough veterinarians to fill them. Now, there are circumstances in specific areas where that might not always be true. Um, there's not a lot of out-of-work veterinarians. The unemployment rate for veterinarians is among the lowest in the country. It's like 0.04% or something like this. I looked this up not that long ago. It might even be lower now. Um, there are more open jobs than there are veterinarians to fill them full stop. So you need to negotiate like that. You need to ask for what you want. And, you know, if, if your demands are unreasonable, people are going to be like, well, you sound like a crazy person and they're going to pass. And they're gonna be like, well, you know, you, you don't want to create a situation where having no one sounds better than having you work there. <laughs> but, um, but like, you can, you can ask for more than what you think you can. And, and uh, yeah, all I, they can say is nope. no, no. Yeah. And most of the time, unless you're asking for something obnoxious, like I'm going to need you to buy me a Ferrari, <laughs> that might put them off entirely and be like, I don't know if you're going to be a good fit easy, though. It would be, but it's, but it. it's not, it's not that and what it costs. Right. It's like, why are you asking for right. a Ferrari? That's I an unreasonable request. M &Ms. Right. Like if you're a diva, you know, then that might put them off. But if you ask for, you know, I, what's really important to me rather than, you know, a raise in salary is I'd really like to start out with six weeks vacation a year. They might say, okay, or <laughs> thank God she didn't ask for eight, um, you know, or they might say, you know what, that doesn't really work, but here's, here's what we could do. I mean, that's part of the negotiation, but they're not going to be like, oh, I can't believe you would want six weeks of vacation. What a horrible, get out of here. Like that's not going to happen. Yeah. But that's kind of the, but that's the how stigma you feel. that's created. Yeah. You feel like, oh my God, I feel like such a jerk for asking for these things. It's like, ah, that yeah. does not benefit you. You feel like a bad person. Yeah. For asking that's what I'm saying. More. That's the emotional side of things. Even though it could be just what everybody else gets and you just don't know it. I think that's the biggest obstacle is yeah. 
how do we know our value and sell yes. it? Because it's so easy for them to say, well, you're a new vet. You're going to need guidance. You're going to need I help sure with am. this. I'm going to have to spend time out of my schedule mm-hmm. making sure you understand. And so, and then when you do that, I'm going to produce a bunch of money for you. Right. And so it's <laughs> making sure that you're saying, yes, I'm new, but I also am knowledgeable and Here's have what I'm bringing experience to the and can bring my own skill set. Absolutely. And so being able to verbalize that and negotiate that yeah. skill into a contract. Absolutely. Yeah, you're only going to be new for a couple months. Yeah. Right, exactly. And the contract's for usually a year or in. sometimes more. And so, um, yeah, there does need to be an acknowledgement that there's a transition phase for sure. Um, and good employers know that. But if they do their job mentoring you, then it should, like you said, it like you know, it should only be a month or two. Um, and you're like, I have the knowledge, I have the skills. Um, I might need a little bit of time to get my confidence up to speed, but I'm going to get there, and I have a lot to offer. And they know that, and they they absolutely know that. And again, it's not an emotional thing for them. If you ask for more, they're not going to be like, why don't they like me? Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not they're how they're going like, to view that. Can we afford this? Right. Like, is this a, is and this a good a financial yes no. business decision? That is very much, that is not an emotional thing, right? And so it's hard. Um, but if you can sort of separate out uh, as best you can, the emotional side of things from the practical side of things, that's going to benefit you. The other thing is we don't talk about how much money people make and that only benefits employers. Yeah. It's, that only benefits A lot of employers. people think it's illegal yeah. to talk about how much money you make, to share how much you make. And it's not. It's, it's just, not. It's, it's, it's considered just taboo in our culture. They put out. Right. Because employers benefit yeah, from yeah. it. They're the only ones who benefit from that. Like if employees all get together, I mean, that's where unions come from and things like that. Like if we all get together and say, hey, how much are you making? How much? You, oh, oh well, I should be making that too then, <laughs> you know? So talk to people, you know, talk to people that you know, um, you know, in that area, in that geographic region. Um, there are websites now that you can, you can, yeah. you know, sometimes get information. Employee, it's usually public. Yep, that's what it's, Bobby's done every time she's moved yep. or asked for yeah. We just keep track of everybody's I send, salary. I, Topher goes and looks it all up and is like, all right, what are people making there? Okay, I now <laughs> have a starting point. Did you know you're making $15,000 less than everybody around you and you're the I guess most I should probably. Faculty? I guess I should probably negotiate for a raise. Um, And that that is because when I first started, I didn't do any of this well. I made all the mistakes, all of them. I was like, okay, here are the, okay, I'm applying for my first faculty position. They're probably going to pay me between this much and this much. And then they offered me at the high end of what I was expecting. And I was like, cool, good. And I was done. Yep. That was my yep. whole negotiation. I said, thank you. And I signed the paper like that's terrible that's absolutely terrible I've done much better since then um, and every time you've asked and every they've time been, they've mm-hmm. been like yeah yep sorry yeah the first yeah the very first raise I asked for um because I didn't negotiate well so a few years went by and I was like I, you know what I'm I'm not making what I should be making I was fine it wasn't like oh I'm you know I financially need it but I also started to feel guilty like as a woman that I hadn't negotiated well um I was like uh I don't necessarily need the money but this isn't right. Um, and I should be making more. And so I went and I went to my boss and it was super awkward and I was really uncomfortable and like nervous. And I don't get nervous about a lot of stuff. Um, and you know, but I was prepared and I said, you know, here's what I've been doing. Here's all the things I've been doing. I've been doing a good job blah blah. These are my performance reviews. And I, I feel like I deserve a, a raise. And then he pulled up the nurse. He's like, yes, you do. <laughs> he was almost apologetic. Like I should have been paying attention to this as well. And I was like, that was so so educational for me to realize that I have to be the one who's in like I can't wait around for somebody else to be looking at yeah. what I'm getting because your boss is worried about their job and yeah. they probably have 30 people under them and they can't yeah it, like, pay att- like your boss probably had 90 people under yeah him. yeah and you can't pay attention to everybody's exactly. salary no, that's and your that, responsibility exactly like I can't expect somebody else to care more about my salary than me like that seems silly right um and, you know, it's a little different in an academic institution, right? Because that's, that's not like the owner of a practice where it's like coming out of his pocket or anything like that. But he does have budgetary constraints, you know, like, you know, any boss is going to have to factor that kind of stuff in. Um, but yeah, it was like, yes, we will take care of this. We'll get yeah. to this as quickly as we can. I was like, okay. And also they <laughs> want to keep you happy. Yeah. Because a happy doctor does better and they stay. Yeah. It's a lot more expensive to get a new person yep. than to keep, give somebody a five thousand dollar raise yeah you're down a person for a while you have to interview a bunch of people yeah and then you get better people because they're not oh don't come here this place is trash now that isn't to say that salary is the only thing that makes a job good well there's also your vacation just if there's simple things where it's just you that you can ask for and it'll make you happy yeah that's for more time off 
that's a huge thing. I don't, I think people don't negotiate enough for when jobs yeah. is more time off. Or even yeah. recognize that they need. Yeah. They're like, oh, I need yeah. to work more. We're basically accustomed to thinking 10 days off a year is Ugh. the appropriate number of yeah, that's days. Obnoxious. Right. Like, no, no, you need a bigger break than that. Or, hey, I want to negotiate for, I, I need you to pay for me to go back when you like, when you, when we can travel for conferences and stuff again, like here's the CE or even just, you know, I want you to pay for good quality online continuing education or, you know, whatever those things can be. I, I need you to cover my, um, uh, I mean, obviously health insurance is a big thing for a lot of these places and that's pretty standard now. Um, yeah, but CE and training, classes, but yeah, but, um, places liability like, insurance like, oh, is not I can't necessarily afford to a given. Do this. I can't mm-hmm. afford to do this research project that would look really good for the, yeah. like if that's something you want to do and you're well, like, maybe, I want to do research projects, like heck yeah. You're like, you're going to give me time so I can work on this. So I'm still working. I'm just not necessarily doing the exact job that we had talked about, but you can totally do those kinds of things. And, um, I was, I was talking to, um, you know, one, of our one of our interns not that long ago who was um, looking at different opportunities I was saying well you, you, thinking about like the geo- geographic constraints um, that they had and I was like well you can widen your um, your radius of places you would go but then talk to them and say hey my family is here in order for me to work here I'm gonna need my schedule to be lumped together like this where because it was emergency stuff and it was like you, you know ask them if you can work five days on and ten days off and then they're gonna pay for a local apartment or they maybe they have a place that they can put you up and so you just come it's a two-hour commute but you're not gonna do that every day but you do it once work five days and then drive home for ten days like why not ask for that? That might not work for them, but what does it hurt to ask? It's not unreasonable. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, oh, we would love, you can't hire a part-time vet. Right. But we only need a third of a vet. Right. To cover the schedule. So right. You never know what they're going to need. They might say, we'll take it. Yeah, we can make this work. And, um, you know, jobs can be as innovative as you can come up with, <laughs> you know, and most employers are like open to hearing those things. Uh, a very few, uh, op, you know, if you're like, hey, here are my needs. Here's my suggestion for how we could we could meet that. And if that seems reasonable, most employers are going to be like, okay, yeah, that, we can probably make that work. They might say, oh, man, we wish we could make that work. We just can't. And that's okay. But then, you know, well, this isn't going to work. Then that's, that's fine. But no, there's no hard feelings in those situations. And I think that is the, the hardest part is separating out, like, the emotional stuff. Yeah, I think a lot of people in specialized fields like yours look at getting a job the same as getting a job at McDonald's Yeah, where like the company has the position, they can hire anybody off the street and they can come in and flip burgers, but that not anybody not can come in job is. and do what you guys do. No. They have to have what? 30 years of school. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. It, like what we do is very specialized. There's not that many veterinarians period and they need us. There's not enough of us. We need more. Uh, and so you're in the driver's seat and so act like it. <laughs> you're negotiating. Easier said than done. I know. Because like I said, I didn't do a good job of that. Um, you know, I went and I did an internship where I made no money and then a residency where I made. So I was like, oh, you're going to pay me real money yeah. in dollars? I'm I'll take it. <laughs> four times what I made? Yeah. It was, yeah. Doing about less that. work? <laughs> I don't know if it was less work. Uh, it was different work for sure. But yeah, it is. It was I just like good enough for me. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I made all those mistakes. So I've tried over the years. I've, you know, pulled residents aside. Be like, all right, it's time for you to go out there and go, let's sit down and talk about it. here are the mistakes I've made. Here's how to avoid making those mistakes. Let's talk about the numbers. Let's talk about what you can do to negotiate. Oh, let's look at that non-compete and say, that's ridiculous. No, um, that's not going to hold up. And um, non-competes are an interesting sort of, contract thing that I was like, oh, what? I remember learning vaguely about it in school. And then I didn't have to worry about it because I was in academic medicine. But um, but yeah, like, you're like, okay, well, I'm in this area. And there are in a, in a you know, your non-compete is a 50 mile radius. And you're like, well, that that's unreasonable. There's like 120 clinics in a 50 mile radius. No, like, probably that wouldn't hold up in court. But now you have to go to court to fight that. Or in the contract negotiation side, you say, uh, no, we are either going to come up with a smaller radius or we're going to pick and choose specific clinics that are direct competitors for this clinic and that you're actually sharing clientele or that kind of thing. Like we're going to, we're going to narrow this down because your non-compete is unreasonable. Um, but they're going to have the resources. They're going to have a lawyer who can look at this contract and that kind of thing. And if you have to fight it later, so nope. You guys also, anybody who is um, a vet student and looking to get their first job and negotiating contracts, if you're at a vet school, there's probably a legal department that you have access to. Do you guys know? Is this something you're aware of? 
the the main campus has a yeah. legal department. Yeah. And you should get uh, most universities I've ever been at, you have access to consultation for free. Yes, we do. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, everywhere I've been, that's a, that's a thing. So you can go to them with your contract and say, hey, can I have somebody look over this with me? I have some questions or, you know, what is reasonable, especially with things like non-competes. It's a really great resource. So if you're at a vet school, there's probably a legal department. Find out, ask about it. Um, you know, hiring a lawyer when you're a vet student is going to be going to be challenging financially, but you have this resource available to you. They also a lot of times have career counselors. You do have to be a little careful because sometimes, depending on what that person's background and expertise is in, veterinary contracts might look very different to them from um, non-veterinary you know, things in the non-medical field. It's definitely going to be even different from like human healthcare providers, um, but it's a starting point. It's definitely one of many resources that you should use. Um, I don't know. Yeah. So Erin, it seemed like you were familiar with that. Like you knew that you had legal resources available. What other resources do you guys know of that you have that you can use for like contract negotiation or resume preparation or interview prep? You were talking Erin about some interview tips. Yeah, we have a lot of good interview tips. And that was mainly just in class with public corporate. And I know we do a lot more outside. I even had uh, things like that in undergrad. The resources are there for students. It doesn't even matter if it's for vet med or anything else. Schools will provide that. And if you ask the right questions and you ask the right people, you'll get to that and they'll help you with resumes, with interview process. But yeah, it's, it's there and you just have to look for it. Yeah. And it's not that hard usually no, once you start looking for it. You're like, oh, look, here's a bunch of different exactly. things. You talk to the right people. A lot of places will do mock interviews with you um, just so you can kind of get those initial jitters out of the way, yep. um, which is really great. Or you were saying um, there's specific interview questions that you can sort of anticipate and prepare yes. for. So it's always good to anticipate and prepare for yeah. what kind of questions they're going to ask you so you're not fumbling around with your words. But one of the ones, one of the biggest tips that I received was that when they go, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. And people fumble with this question because they don't really know what to talk about, what the, what the employer it's wants. It's too broad. <laughs> it's very broad. So one of the tips was that you will talk about your past, talk about what you're doing currently, and talk about what you plan on doing. So I studied at so-and-so. I did this. Now I've been working for so-and-so. I did this research. And what I plan to do is this. So you kind of give them that linear path of what you do. You seem organized and you know what you're achieving, what you want. And that looks good to an employer. Yeah, because you don't also just ramble on for exactly. without like, what was the point of that? Yeah, what was the like, question again? Yeah. Um, I really like healthy choice meals and Netflix. <laughs> and then I go to school. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all over. Well, that is, it is yeah. really hard right now because you're like, well, I don't have a lot of choice in what I do right now. I'm a vet student. I don't know if you know this, but um, remember back when you were a vet student and you did what you were told for most of the time. Um, but you know, I think that's a really good way to organize your thoughts too, um, to say, okay. And it, and it does give a potential employer, you know, good information like, okay, here's your background. Okay. Yep. I need that. You can expound on some things. And, and it also shows a little bit what your priorities are too. Like the, the exactly. things that you choose to talk about in that kind of a question, I think can share a lot um, of information, but yeah, like, you know, a, common interview questions. You can Google this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but you know, okay, what are some of your strengths and weaknesses? Be prepared for that. Even if they don't ask you that specific question, something in a roundabout way may come up. Um, And you should always um, say it out loud to someone else too and ask them what they think of it. Because sometimes something you think is a really good answer is not. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that, 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 mm, yeah, that makes you a, sound like a, a terrible person. person. Work that, that it's like, oh, describe, describe one of your weaknesses. And he, he wanted to say that he always asks questions and um, he makes sure he knows what you're doing. But he chose, he's like, I wanted to shock people. So what is your weakness? Oh, my weakness is um, authority. <laughs> because. Right. Oh, no. Right? Yeah, because I. I question like everything oh, yeah, that someone authority. asks me. Yeah, so bosses can get kind of annoyed wording. with that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. What he meant was a good answer, the way yeah. he said it. Not so much. Not yeah. so good. And everyone's like, Mur. maybe you shouldn't say it like yeah. that. Maybe so yeah, testing testing job. those waters out first is a really good idea. Um, yeah. Just to kind of, and again, practicing getting the jitters out. There's always going to be some, they're going to throw you for a loop. And a lot of interviewers will try to do that, right? Because they also want to see like, how do you handle the, you know, being thrown for a loop? Um, and, you know, there's some degree of just be yourself too, you know? Yeah, Again, but- being honest is important because you want it to be a good fit. Yeah, you don't want to lie to them and get there and be like, 
you're not who they want. But don't tell them it, your main problem is that you, you have a problem with authority. authority. Right. But so again, it, it is about packaging things. Like don't lie about what it is. But yeah, can you can you explain what you mean in a way that doesn't come across as like, oh, this this person is a liability. <laughs> we well, should exactly. definitely not hire you. Especially with resumes and stuff, it should always be catered to where you're applying yep. to. And it should always be, you can't block out resume letters and all those right. other things. And it's the same for interviews. You have to know what you're going into and be honest with the interviewer. And most cases, like a lot of studies have been showing that interviewers, the people who are giving the interview are just as stressed yeah. as the people who are. Oh yeah. Interviewing interview. is stressful because yeah. again, you're also like, I want this person to come here. Like you're trying to put yeah. yourself like, Hey, come here. We're great. We're awesome. So they've got, they've got the extra stress, um, you know, on that. But I like, um, so Rebecca, like what you were talking about before you did your homework, right? Yeah. You also researched the places that you were applying and you said, I want to know more about you. And that shows that you care. So interviewers like to, to hear that. Not that they expect you to have done like a dissertation on their, on their, you know, their business or the, the practice. But if you've looked it into a little bit. Hey, I noticed you guys just got this piece of equipment. How's that working out? Um, you know, is what do you, you're, you're going to have some questions too. You're not going to be able to figure out everything, but if you've done a little bit of research beforehand, um, I think that that can go a long way, both in making you more prepared for the interview, but, you know, showcasing to them that this was not just one in a list of a bajillion that I was like, oh, I'm just checking all the boxes and I, I don't really know, but how much are you going to pay me? <laughs> you know, I had to apply to 10 places, <laughs> right? I paid for 10. I'm applying to 10. Uh, but yeah, even if it's outside of like a matching program, you know, doing your homework shows the place that you're applying that this is a job you're taking seriously. Um, and I always like to prepare questions. So like yeah. the strength is, strengths and weakness question is my least favorite interview yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. But I always have an answer. I always have an answer for a time I solved a problem. I always have an answer for my primary goals at a workplace. Yep. Just so I have these set things and I'm not stuck thinking. Yeah. But I think an important part for people who are especially looking for jobs is to ask about a working interview. Yeah. So you can get an idea of the culture of the practice or yeah. workplaces. Yeah, it's harder to hide to. hide all your flaws in a yeah. <laughs> you know. That works in both directions too though, right? Like you go for a working interview, that's um, you know, also more opportunities for you to say or do something that upsets them. But if your goal is for this to be a good fit, I think those are those are really nice. Um not, it's a great way to, you know, delve in a little deeper to find out if it does uh, feel like a good fit. And you obviously won't be able to see every single aspect no. there when you're only there for maybe no, four No, they're going to send all the problem employees home but, that day. <laughs> but you can at least get a general idea. Do yeah. people look really tired when they're coming in? Mm -hmm. Do they look irritated? Are they really mm -hmm. excited to leave at the end of the day? Yeah. Um, are there any key points you're saying maybe not everyone is super happy to be here? Yeah. The other thing I like to ask for um, at, at practices too is asking like, what's the, what's the turnover? Like what, you know, not like in an internship program, like every year we get a whole new group of interns, but I mean like, well, like technicians, like how, how long has your longest serving technician been working here? Or, um, you know, what, what's the, what's the staff turnover? And that's not necessarily the same as growth. Like we just hired three new technicians, but were they replacing three people who had just left? Um, how about the, the doctors? Like, okay, all, none of the doctors have, other than the owner have been there for more than a year or two maybe it's a brand new place, but like that's, you know, look for those red flags that you can then say, I need to do some follow-up questions. I need to talk to, oh, can I talk to some of your employees and, and get a little more information? And then if they all look terrified, like, no, I'm not going to stay, you know, I'm just going to run away. We're good. I'm, we can stop this. And no, I don't need dinner. We're, we're fine. Um, so, you know, there are certain things that I, I tend to think like be on the lookout for that. Um, yeah, how has that worked with you guys since it's the, like the COVID era and you can't really go yeah. and visit these places. So it, it it's harder. a little hard to see I know. the people walking in. You don't get to have dinner with anybody. You don't get to find out that, that the, happened with, um, the medical Bobby air doesn't work. Virginia Tech. She applied at a couple of places and we we're like, oh, I'm going to get all these trips. Get to go to the different That was the only reason I was applying was for the free trips. Yeah, that for me. <laughs> no <laughs> trips. That's, Tover was excited about it. Yeah, and, and all of them were through Zoom. Yeah. So, and that so she came here without... Like I didn't get to physically see the ICU. all the rooms. Yeah, and it turns out... We had an issue. <laughs> I was like, um, this medical air doesn't work. How are we supposed to hook up a ventilator? Oh, we have a special ventilator. That's a transport ventilator. That's not actually meant for long term. So now there's a big project where we have to go and fix the the medical air in the system. And that's a huge thing. And if I'd come, I mean, maybe I wouldn't have noticed that in an in-person interview, but I might have been able to look around and be like, hey, what are the issues or, or talk to people? So there's 
Yeah, there's some disadvantages. There's there's a couple disadvantages to COVID, I guess we could say, if you didn't know. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, you can't ask everything. Yeah, so You're not going to you know everything. Done with that? So, I've done all Zoom interviews. Yeah. And a lot of the practices were kind enough to upload virtual tours oh, cool. of the hospital. So mm-hmm. you can get a look at the layout. Just online or did they just send it to you? They email it cool. to you. So it's like a pre-recorded yes. tour. Cool. Um, the challenge has been assessing turnover, right? Yeah. Because COVID has been so stressful. Yeah, that's true and there's too. been a lot of technicians and vets that have rightfully become burnout or needed a break. And it might not and have been the fault. Or just have employer. medical issues to where right. it's not yeah. safe for them to be. And so is that... A reflection the practice of the program, culture yeah. or is it the pro- or circumstance yeah. and so being able to talk to the interns have yeah. really provided a lot of insight because if they're just saying it's busy we have so many patients just because of covid fine if it's no it's really not great here yeah then that's a whole other ball or game. it was great right up until 2020 yeah. <laughs> it used to be really good well Aaron, you were saying you worked out a bunch of places or maybe I can't remember, maybe it was Rebecca that said that, that um, you tried to set up externships or opportunities to yep, go to places. Yeah. And so that was not, you're like, okay, I'm going to kind of double dip here, right? Like these are places yep. I would, I would potentially like to work or, or to at least to create some network opportunities. Exactly. Um, so when you were going somewhere, it was like for, a, rather than just, you're not gonna be able to travel for a one day interview. Nobody's yep. doing that. But if you're like, Hey, a three or a six week externship, that's that's a perfect opportunity if you can do stuff like that. No, yeah, exactly. Because you're physically there. Yeah. In most cases, like sometimes they do um, online uh, aspects too. Sure. But usually, when you go and you can be there and work with everyone, you get that culture right away. Yeah. And one of the things that's really fascinating, especially uh, on an academic level, is they they minimize uh, your stay with like clerkships. You can only do a six week clerkship maximum because they don't want you spending your entire fourth year at one place and then yeah. you don't get hired there. Yeah. So you can do six weeks and you can kind of say like, I really like this place. This is mm-hmm. what I want. But these three weeks snip, like snapshots are perfect mm-hmm. for it going in, in potential employers, seeing how they Absolutely. actually work. And it's very fascinating. And yeah. Cause cool. if you spend six weeks at one place, you're like, that place was awesome and never go anywhere else. Cool. But then if you go to some other place, you're like, Oh, yes, this, I thought that place was awesome. This place is even more awesome. Mm-hmm. Or the opposite might happen. You're like, yep, that first place was awesome. <laughs> um, but that's still reassuring, right? Yeah, like going yeah, other yeah. places. Um, but what what's more likely to happen is to say, I like these things about this place. Exactly. And maybe less so these things. This other, this other place did this really cool thing. And you can also come in and bring some of those ideas, exactly. right? Like steal all of the ideas you can from as many places as you can. Those aren't copyrighted. You're like, oh, I really like how they do their staff meetings. And that's a thing that I can make a suggestion for um yeah steal steal everything all those ideas those are wonderful so yeah really good opportunities and and just having increasing your experiences and then the other thing is nice is if you go to a place that um has a diverse group right not everybody had been trained in the same area you know you you go to a private practice in minnesota and all of the grads are from minnesota and everybody's been in that same area and you're like oh well yeah then it gets kind of i mean that's not necessarily a problem like those people might be amazing but i do again that's one of those like red flags i'm gonna want to talk a little bit more i want to hear a little bit more about this because you're all trained in the same area and you're all going to do things the same way and are you going to be open to new ideas if you're open to new ideas then that's not a problem but if you're like well we really like the way we do things here. Like, oh, okay, well, you keep doing your thing, then I'm going to go somewhere else. Where they actually value having a different perspective on things. And I, that for me, that's always really important is to avoid that kind of like just homegrown, we keep doing the same things. And it's comfortable. And maybe everybody, you know, feels like, you know, we're all happy at work. Yeah, it sinks a little but meanwhile, bit the, the ship field. has been sinking <laughs> because nobody noticed that there was a leak. What's that? Oh, uh, it stinks a little bit when you're the academic because you... You train people that are really good. Yeah. And it's like, oh, we could keep this person. Mm-hmm. But then the next year, it's like, oh, we could keep our best person again. I know. But then you just have, you yeah, have that situation where it's all I, yeah. homegrown. And I've definitely seen that situation. And it turns and out there's great people to, everywhere. You have to tell your great person to go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, you didn't like me? No. No, we really did. And that's why we're sending you somewhere else yeah. because it's better for you. You've learned everything from us. I went somewhere different every stage of my, so I was at school, Michigan State, Illinois for internship, North Carolina for, like, I bounced around every time and that was so good for me. That's believable? Yeah. What? Because I've told people that story before? Oh, I was not surprised that everyone was like, oh, maybe we should go somewhere else, Bobby. Oh, you're very (laughs) funny. Where's the bump bump? Do we have the button? You Uh, don't don't know which button it is. Oh, yeah. It's this one. 
Oh, <laughs> yes, well, that was the perfect. right button. That was exactly the button. I think that the button is joke. on our home. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, no, I, I, you know, everybody's got to figure out what your priorities are for your jobs. But again, the, the main take home I would tell people is understand your value. You are valuable. You have a lot to bring to the table. It's hard to feel that way when you're brand new and you're like, but there's so much I don't know. And, and I am going to need some support, but you know what? I still bring more to the table um, than they're going to have to provide for me. Like that just full stop you are and try, 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 you know, look yourself in the like you are, all, you know, <laughs> what is, what is, what was that? Was it, uh, I'm great. I'm good. I'm wonderful. Is that the, um, what about Bob? Oh, that's oh, okay. <laughs> I was that, what about Bob? The, uh, I think that was what the one anyway. from SNL. Uh, it uh, might've been, I was thinking what about Bob with um, Bill yeah. Murray? Anyway, just, you know, figure out what you got to do to pump yourself up, but just remind yourself that, you know, you, you have a lot to offer. They need you. They really do. They're going to, they're going to hold their cards, you know, close to the vest, right? Um, because they're negotiating. It's a business most of the time and uh, most of the time a for-profit business, but um, separate out the emotional side of things if you can. And again, just, yeah, you know, have a loved one, like pump you up right before, like you're awesome. You're the greatest person ever. They would be lucky to have you like that's, you need that. And it's true. They would be lucky to have you anyway. All right. That's all I got. You what else you guys anything? got? Have we said we exhausted this topic? No, I think it's everything. It's just really advocating for yourself and yeah. knowing, being willing to reach out and ask questions yeah. to people who know okay. more than you beforehand. Yeah. Just yeah, like then, you've been doing. I mean, we've discussed too that confidence is really what mm-hmm. sells. Yeah. And and to have yeah. that confidence in yourself and in what you do is really going to skyrocket. Yeah. You're, you're just going to be successful. Yeah, and, it definitely comes through. Don't, yeah, don't lie about what you don't know. No. Be honest about what you don't exactly. know, but you can do that confidently. Exactly. Like, you know what? Yeah. I don't know, but I this is what I'm going to do to fix that. You graduated vet school. You're good enough. Right? Yeah, but imposter syndrome is a real thing yeah. in our profession, for sure. People just, you know, some well, people never get to that point. Because you're used to being, you're only around vets. Yeah. So you don't understand that you're uh, yeah. one in like 10,000. Yeah. 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 And the other problem is you're around people who are usually specialists in their field, but People don't come on to the ECC rotation and ask me about dermatology. They don't come. If they, have, they need a derm consult, they don't come to me, right? And so you guys are only seeing one slice. When you, when you rotate through derm, you see derm cases. And so the dermatologist is really smart. And then when you go through optho, you see optho cases. And so you're like, oh my God, they know everything. I was like, yeah, about optho, but you're going through all of the things and you're being asked to know all of these things. And so you're going to be like, wow, they're so smart. I was like, no, that's because they've been able to forget a whole chunk of stuff. That's what allows you to look so smart is that you've just said, I've narrowed my focus. That's that's the beauty of specializing is you get to like delete a bunch of things from your memory and nobody, nobody bats an eye. They're like, oh yeah, yeah. We're not going to go and ask. We're not going to ask Connor about that. That would be ridiculous. Um, and, and so I think it does sometimes give you like this distorted sense of what you should know. Uh, and that's not really fair. So yeah, just remind like, no, you, you, you know enough, like, like Topher said, you've graduated, you're good. So yeah, I think, thank you both so very much for coming and chatting. I know we didn't give you a lot of notice, um, but I'm really excited you came on and shared your, your perspectives and, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll have you come back in talk about some public health stuff and yeah, you can come back and talk about behavior. It'll be really great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Bye. Bye.